service this morning is uh, the St. Stephen service uh, with a little bit of an adaptation because it's Advent. So, uh, um, but that's something for me to remember and not for you. But when it happens, you'll know. All right. Um, we rise for the brief order of confession and forgiveness. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. confess our sins to one another and to the Lord. Gracious Father, 
We confess that we have tried to hide ourselves and our sins from you, but we know that we have done wrong. We are drawn for selfless lives, refusing to bear the troubles of others. We often turn from our neighbors, ignoring their pain and misusing their needs as responsibility of someone else. Gentle Lord, in your mercy, forgive our sins and free us from our selfish ways. Grant that we may choose to obey you and show our love for you by serving us. Almighty God, rich in mercy, abundant in love, has given his Son to die for us. For Jesus' sake, at his command, and in his behalf, I forgive you all your sins. Go in peace. You have new life in Jesus Christ. The peace of the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you once called John the Baptist to give witness to the coming of your Son and to prepare his way. Grant us, your people, the wisdom to see your purpose today and the openness to hear your will, that we may witness to Christ's coming and so prepare his way. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the reading. Good morning. The first lesson is from the sixth chapter of Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the reunited, reunited cities that have been devastated for generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soul makes the spirit has, I'm sorry, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second lesson is from the fifth chapter of Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. We now sing hymn number 346, When All the World Was Cursed. Thank you. 
We rise for the gospel. <clears throat> the Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the first chapter. Thank you, Lord, for this gift of life. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. And finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of the Lord. We praise you for the power of your word. God's grace, his mercy, and his peace be multiplied to you through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> We've already talked about Advent as being sort of like a commercial for Christmas, for the coming of, of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and you have people who come and who say things. Um, and we recently talked about how it is our job to go and to say things um, about Jesus' second coming. And we talk to people, hopefully, who are interested. Um, but boy, that is a real tough call, isn't it, at times? Because you have to be interested in, in history. You have to be interested in, in talking about um, this, this world in a way that seems to have been cordoned off to the side. Uh, religious is, is not... You know, to be religious uh, has taken on a whole different meaning in society today. And, you know, this is commonplace. This happens all the time. When Martin Luther uh, got a Ph.D., his, his job meant, or his Ph.D., his degree, meant that he knew a little bit about almost everything. So he could speak intelligently on a whole host of topics. That's what a PhD meant back in those days. But now what? What does a PhD mean now, today? It means you know a lot of things about a very little subject. As a matter of fact, when you go to, when you study uh, to, to get your PhD and you write your dissertation, um, you look at a forest of knowledge that is in a certain scholastic neighborhood, then you look for a tree, and then on that tree, you look for a branch, and on that branch, you look for a twig on the branch, and the whole makeup of general knowledge um, uh, doesn't seem to cover that, that twig, and you write your dissertation on that, so you know a lot about that twig on that branch on that tree in that forest. That's what a PhD has become nowadays. Big difference, isn't it? A huge difference. And, um, and that's what we have. We have, but at the same time, within those, those big macro changes, we have things that, well, I mean, we exist, right? Uh, you remember... 
when you were a kid, how things used to go and how things have changed. What's brought about those changes? Technology, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I can remember uh, flying over to Germany when I was a little kid. Boy, that was big stuff. Uh, now it's, it's nothing. Um, uh, I can remember uh, when I was even in seminary. If you had one of them there, personal computers, you had to know DOS and all of that stuff. And this was in what? This was in the 80s. And, uh, and now, anybody, any knucklehead can get a computer and turn it on and, and go, let's see, let me figure this out, and press buttons, and, and they can do a lot of things nowadays, which brings apart across changes. Um, and, uh, and look at our kids today. Oh, the time they spend on the internet, right? I didn't say that wrong. It has changed what a father can or can't do, what parents can or can't do to raise their children uh, because the Internet teaches their children all these things. And what is it teaching? Um, it's teaching everything is the same, which, which is changing because everything that used to be is not. So now the new, the new same is something completely different than, than because now... What, what people do is they throw away traditions. So, I mean, simple things like birthdays. They really don't have any meaning anymore, birthdays. Thanksgiving. Ah, it's just something that people put together, and now, um, and now we're supposed to, you know, um, and I'll go with a few of them, right? I'll go with a few of them. Uh, like, uh, you know, uh, I, I love my wife, but, but I, you know, I don't have to do something nice to my wife on, Hall on, on, uh, on Halloween, on Valentine's Day, you know, or ice cream day or whatever day there, there's every day has a, you know, every day has its own day. And, uh, and, and that's ridiculous, you know, but you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But that's oftentimes what we do. And what are we supposed to do? We are smart people. We're sophisticated to some degree or not. And we know what we can and we, what we can't get away with. That's the way life is, right? You stay between the boundaries. And you know uh, you, you have a certain frame of reference with which you make decisions. In the South, one of those big frame of references would be hurricanes. And there's always the argument, are you going to stay or are you going to go? Well, we're going to stay because hurricanes, no matter what anybody says, usually don't get that bad. Unless you die, then, oops, that was a, maybe we should have, had we had the opportunity to make the decision over again, we might have gone this time. And the strange thing about it is we might not have gone. <laughs> It's that hard. It's like those people who stared at the Twin Towers when they were burning and, and were just dumbfounded when they started falling. What do you do? Well, you stand there when it's falling and you watch it fall. Not realizing maybe you'd better relocate to a better, a better location. But when do you see that? When you actually see it coming down the street. Oh, there's big clouds. Ooh, that might be hard to breathe in. And then you start running, it overtakes you, and some people didn't make it through that deal. And other people, because that building had been built such and such and so and so, there's all kinds of chemical makeups that that building was made. Now you have inhaled all of those things, and of course... You have the gift of, of medical problems for the rest of your life because you had to see the building fall. Now, who knows when they're supposed to run and when they're not supposed to run? Who knows this? Well, it's just a habit. Some people run just like that. Some people get a little sniffle to the doctor they go. Other people, a sniffle turns into some sort of 
whatever, and then they go to the doctor, you know, for something later on, and the doctor says, do you know you've had a walking pneumonia or, you know, whatever, something, some persistent problem that has worked from this problem to the next problem to the, why didn't you come to the doctor? I don't know, it wasn't that bad. We're made up of these kinds of things. Now, bring in what is really real, what is truly true. Because, you know, I mean, it would be really interesting if we were able to say, okay, so here's what the truth is, and here's where you fit in that spectrum of truth and myth. And boy, isn't that the big thing? Because religion, we all know, is myth, right? Religion is something that we make up from where, whenever, back then, but, you know, some knucklehead came up with an idea and then convinced other people, and now you have a whole bunch of people who believe something that really is a myth. And Christianity sometimes get, gets blessed with that moniker. Mythical. All religion is mythical. All right. The reality is, the truth is, that indeed there are religions throughout the world. And the reality is, Western society, developed first world Western society, is the only society that seems to be able to say, you know, religion is optional. You can take it or leave it. That's the truth. And that has been the truth. And the more people who get access to first world information like the internet and the knuckleheads that, you know, get to say their say and, and spread their whatever their opinion is all over, if they can string two sentences together and make a cogent paragraph, there are people who are willing to follow them. Who do we follow? We're here to see something that happened at the beginning of time. Who was alive at the beginning of time? Who can tell us what happened at the beginning of time? See, this is where Advent serves us. It is a time where, once again, it is announced through Isaiah, the prophet, through those people, way, and I don't know, they say, are you the prophet? And to be honest, commentators don't really know who they, they're talking about when they say, are you the prophet? They know about Elijah. Elijah is the one who, when they have their Seder meal, they, they say they, they're looking for Elijah. They have a, a chair for Elijah to come and to, to show up. And then they go out of the door and they look left. No Elijah. They look straight ahead. No Elijah. They look right. No Elijah. Ah, uh, another year. Elijah has not come. So when they ask him, who are you, Elijah? And he says, no, I am not Elijah. Then they have nowhere to hang that. It's just like, it's just like standing and watching the Twin Towers fall. It doesn't compute until it's on you. The thing I think that's that's going to that's going to catch most of this world is that the end times is going to be dismissed to such an extent to where a lot of people really have no concept that it can indeed happen. You can sit there and you can watch the Discovery Channel. Remember the Discovery Channel? Is it still even going? I don't even know. But scientists were going to say, one of these days, that meteor is going to get awfully close. And when it does, pow, zoom. Disaster. Well, if you don't watch TV anymore, you don't get that message. If you dismiss that message, you can. Now, some things that we want to dismiss that we can't dismiss would be global 
uh, climate change. Doesn't that tell you something? It tells us that we better get our P's and Q's together, and we better recycle, and we better stop burning this and start, you know, doing that and stop doing this and all of that stuff, and then we'll get back to normal. Really? Don't you see? Don't you see? Don't you read the book of Revelation? Well, it doesn't matter if I read the book of Revelation. Some knucklehead, some way back when knucklehead, wrote that book. What does he know? The truth of the matter is, Almighty God has created all of these things for us. And St. Augustine, um, way back when, came up with proofs for God. So that discussion has already been out there and proven or misproven or whatever and argued away to, to, to nothing. Jesus came, suffered, and died on the cross. Well, you know, come on. Well, really. No, there's actual physical evidence. And I'm not talking about the Shroud of Turin or anything like that. I'm talking about things that happen at a macro level that sometimes we stare at. And maybe it's not quite like that cloud coming down to New York City that makes us turn and run. Maybe it's something that just kind of wafts over us and we have no idea what we've encountered. Perhaps like those poor soldiers who went into Chernobyl and were ordered to dig in that awful radioactive, you know, dig trenches. This is war. Yeah, but don't you realize that there was a, a great nuclear reaction? You know, don't you realize that this is pretty... No, never mind all of that stuff. Let's dig all that radiation up. And what happens? When people encounter radiation, they die sometimes pretty quickly, sometimes not so quickly. Sometimes they think they get away from it and they don't. Life will do that kind of thing to you. Somebody will say, you! And they'll be pointing right at you and you... Me? Yeah, you. Because life happens to you. Jesus Christ suffering on the cross and dying and rising again happened to you. To you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to you. To all of you and all of those people out there. And Christ stands there and says, Come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, who are burdened. And are we burdened? Yes, we are. Have you ever talked to somebody who was heavy laden, who was burdened, and they don't even know it? It's like, you know, I didn't even know how to talk to somebody like that. They don't even know the situation they're in. They're standing in a barn, the barn's on fire, and they stand there in the barn and say, life is fine, everything's fine. Why are you busting my chops? While the whole barn is burning down around them. Life will do that to you. So what is pastor suggesting? That we smarten up? I don't know. I don't know that we can smarten up. I mean, there's only, you know, stupid is as stupid does. There's, there's no way to smarten up stupid. You can't cure stupid. And you have to admit, sometimes when we sin... And we can sometimes go through it. It's like those habitual sins, the things that you kind of kick yourself about. Now, if somebody else is doing that, you can, you can walk up to them and say, you know, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. But then you look at your life, and you can realize, if you're honest enough, 
that you do the same things over and over and over again. I could stand here and I could tell you, man, I've whipped that food problem. I know when to stop. I could tell you that all day. But the proof is in the pudding. Mmm, pudding. There I go again. And sin is like that. It is like things that we say no to, and then we do it again. And then we kick ourselves and somehow get over it, and then we repeat. The Bible talks about vultures returning. Where there's a dead carcass, the vultures will circle. And some other really graphic things about dogs returning. Ah, we won't even go into that stuff. But you can see it in your animals, too, when they have, pick up that bad habit. It just, it, you know. And trees that don't even, they don't even, I mean, they stay right there. They get the water and all of that stuff. And then you notice there's a nodule on it. And then you, what? This tree has cancer. And then you watch it die. When it never did anything wrong. Because it says the wages of sin is death. And do trees sin? No. Or maybe they do. I don't know. I mean, who am I to, you know, we, we should talk to some kind of a what? Ornithologist, who, you know, tree person. About whether trees sin or not. Or maybe somebody should write a Ph.D. on that. But all I'm saying is that, is that the truth is that this world came into existence, and we've been talking about how and why and whatever, and religion piped in and said, hey, we know how. And then there's a whole book that explains it, and this book, by the way, the Bible, if you were kind of guessing what pastor was talking about. The Bible has certain things like this person's going to come and this person throughout society is going to show up and this news is going to come and this is going to happen. And then when this happens, then this is going to happen and here and all of this and, the, and then the end. And the Bible has all of that in there. But when we allow our stupidity or doubts or whatever to reign, we, we can even miss that. Once again, just like staring at something. And sometimes it's not even your fault. I mean, those people who were there at what, Bikini Island or I don't know. A lot of those people don't exist anymore. But if you were in World War II and you were one of those soldiers who got to see that big thing go, kaboom! Did anybody realize that there's going to be some fallout that is not going to be too good for the... Well, just cover your eyes, you know, because... But what about the rest of the stuff? I was horrified to find out that when they did the Trinity, you know, thing in, in, uh, at Trinity, whatever, in the White Sands in New Mexico, they thought, you know, there's a chance we might burn up the ozone. Ah, oh, what the heck, let's press that button anyway. I don't know, man. I, I kind of think that's knuckleheadedness on the first order, isn't it? We could destroy ourselves by doing this. But you know what? For science, let's give it a shot. And it's that kind of stuff, to be honest, God doesn't have a problem with because his goal is that an end will come to this sinful existence. But if you don't believe in sin, if you don't believe in any of that stuff, it just completely bypasses you and you're left as a victim of a crumbling world. And you can get mad, but you can only get so mad, right? That's a big thing, you know, in, in police work. It's like, you know, a person who gets all amped up and everything, they, 
you know, after a while they have to come down because people who don't, people who get mad have to calm down. They can't just keep that up. The only way, by the way, they can keep it up is what's called, uh, it's an excited delirium where you're taking some drugs and, and, and you're not coming down. And you know what, you know what the result usually is, is of that? If they don't get a, an ambulance out there to give them a shot of, of calm your behind down, it's death. So when excited delirium comes over the, um, over the air like that, everybody is in, let's save this person's life mode. Otherwise... If you're going to, you know, stand there and stomp your foot and yell and all that stuff, the police are just going to wait for you to calm down because you can't keep that up all the time. I think for us, God has given us an opportunity. As he has come, he has given something called faith. And as we, as we take hold of that faith that he himself has given us, he gives us many gifts, like a way to calm down. A way to understand ourselves through the big picture, like I am Jesus' little lamb. He is my shepherd. He guides me through the ups and the downs. No matter how bad the ups and the downs are, he guides me through this, and I know I can have confidence now, if you put confidence in engineers and you're standing there watching the Twin Towers, your, your confidence is mislaid. If you put your confidence in Jesus Christ, the one who came at the right time, the one who Scripture repeatedly talked about coming and saving the world and rescuing us from sin, death, and Satan, your confidence is not in vain. And I guess the real question is, in whom do we put our confidence? Your, my uh, professor, a professor at college used to say, your ism, your identity, your security, and your meaning. In whom do you put your ism? Because there's Buddhism. There's, all, there's a lot of isms out there. And if you put your identity, my identity, who's your, what is your identity? I am a child of the Most High God. Your security, who is your protector? My protector is Almighty God Himself, who sent Jesus to suffer and die for me on the cross and save me from my sins and has saved me for something far better. Well, don't you know you're going to die? Yeah, 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 I understand that. But that's all in there. And your meaning. What am I going to get up and do today? And this, at least, we, we, we should have some indication of that because we have anecdotal evidence that a person who loses meaning in life, what happens to them? What happens to them? I have no meaning in life. I have no hope. I have no... What happens to them? They die because they have no meaning. And maybe you've, you look back and you've seen somebody and there was no reason for them to die. Some of them, it's kind of like, you know, you can romanticize it. They died of a broken heart. Isn't that sweet? They died because they had lack of meaning. And so, what does God give us? He gives us proper identity, proper security, and proper meaning. Because as long as I live, I live for Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And God gives us all of that because He has given us faith. He has brought us Christ he has foretold that this was going to happen, and he has foretold many other things. And so, this 
in the season of Advent is our opportunity to once again look the truth in the face and to welcome it into our lives so that when we go out, we have the proper identity, the proper security, the proper meaning. So let's take that. Let's go forward until God himself says, that's enough, I'm going to call you home now. And when that happens, then the Bible says, when we get there, it's going to be totally different. We're going to see everything the way it should be seen. We're going to see how things have happened and how, how the, and it's all going to make sense. And today, it doesn't necessarily make sense, but you know what? I derive a little bit of satisfaction Sometimes when I say, you know, I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know the jot and the tittle. I don't have to know how this fits together and that because I know it fits. And when I know it fits, I can endure the stuff that happens to me a little bit better because I know that it's going to get better. Why? Because God Almighty is my identity, my security, and my meaning. And he has promised me that I will live forever through Jesus Christ who suffered and who died, who paid for the sins that I have and ever will commit, even though I haven't committed them yet. Boy, and I hope they're not... Man, I hope the sins that I do commit aren't like, you know, so knuckleheadedness that I can't even... But is it possible? I hate to say it, but... Almost anything's possible, isn't it? Except thanks be to God through Christ Jesus. That Christ says, come to me, all of you who are burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest because I've already forgiven. I've already forgiven the world for sins. That has been laid on me, Jesus says. And so now we can go forward. Even though we sin daily and we can understand with our identity, security, and meaning that God himself is for us. So who can be against us? Let these words comfort our hearts as we go forward in worlds that are confusing, and in a world that is growing cold and with calloused hearts, as once again the scripture says is going to happen. And let this, in the midst of the turbulent world, give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue with the hymn of the day, hymn 345, Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding.
We continue with the Confession of Faith, <coughs> the Nicene Creed in your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all things unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through whom all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, you sent John the Baptist to proclaim the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Grant that we who prepare to celebrate the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ may die to sin and rise to a new life, that we may treasure up and ponder in our hearts the Christ announced by your forerunner. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You sent John to proclaim the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Richly and daily forgive our sins and the sins of all believers. Bless our uh, synodical officers and our pastors in Christ. Grant and preserve your holy Christian church and your, by your voice and send us faithful Preachers who will not deny but confess your truth. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, be the source of strength and comfort in every home. Bless the children of our families that every darkness would be lightened by your Son's gracious visitation. Preserve them from dangers to body and soul. Guide them by your word in wise paths and keep them Firm in the faith until life's end. Lord, in your mercy. Righteous Lord, you rule over all things in heaven and on earth. 
Until that day when your son comes in glory to usher in his kingdom, give wisdom and insight to all leaders that they may live peaceable lives, that we may live peaceable lives. In your mercy, hear our Lord in your mercy. Creator of all, many in our midst have been afflicted with pain, sickness, trials, and difficulties. Be merciful to those who are close to us, especially the family and friends of Lois Nielsen, who passed away last evening. Um, to those in Clarksville, Tennessee, who recently suffered a tornado. To Dennis Ardoin uh, with cancer. The family, to uh, the, the travelers, all those people who travel in these um, season, this season time, seasonal time. Uh, and to those people who are in our bulletin. Uh, such a long list. But each has concerns that they voice to you. That they, all of these people, may be granted health or strength to endure their, their afflictions. Help us all to see that when Christ returns in glory, our bodies will be incorruptible and immortal when he makes all things new. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, your church eagerly awaits the return of her bridegroom. Grant that we would not grow weary. Strengthen us through your word and sacraments that we would ever hold fast your promise of salvation, won for us by Christ our Lord. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, Heavenly Father, we grant, gratefully remember the sufferings and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Rejoicing in his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you where he ever stands for us as our own high priest. And gather us together from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us, for to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, from the beginning of time, your gracious hand has given life to all things. You share the world and fashion a people by the power of your word. All creation is renewed by the soft whisper and the thunderous roar of your spirit. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. In this, the final age of your creation, you have given us your Son, your word become flesh. In his redeeming death and resurrection, Jesus has fulfilled your promise of a full, secure life on this earth and a certain joyous life throughout eternity. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to um, for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Send upon us now, we pray, your Holy Spirit, that living in the light and power of Jesus' resurrection, we may live our lives in praise of you and in service to others, and so begin today the experience of inheritance prepared for all of your children.
Remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. <coughs> Please be seated. Welcome to the Lord's Supper. for the benediction. The God of hope grant you joy and peace in believing so that you will be filled with the hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks, God. <clears throat>